sing as one for this country we're walking on we stand together to protect this land for the future we're hand in hand welcome to another episode of the environmental as anything podcast we have all been suffering the ill effects of the coronavirus lockdown. It hasn't been easy for anyone. And we've all started to think about what happens next. Where do we go from here? The Scummo regime is promising to snap back to business as usual. Basically, the causes of the problems are going to be repeated if uh, he has his way. There is a worldwide movement afoot, though, to move forward to something new and something better. With the Green New Deal being implemented in jurisdictions around the world, including 17 countries in Europe, New Zealand, South Korea, and many states in the United States, South America, and elsewhere, it is increasingly realistic and indeed urgent that calls for a Green New Deal be treated seriously. Next on Environmental as Anything, we have Adam Bant. Adam is the federal representative for the seat of Melbourne and the leader of the Greens in the federal Australian Parliament. He recently said, uh, when we get through this COVID-19 pandemic, and we will get through it, let's not put everything back exactly where it was. Let's work together to make some changes so that everyone can live a good life. I spoke to him via Zoom earlier this week and questioned him on what that meant to him and how we would go about doing it. Adam Bant, thank you very much for joining Environmental as Anything today. Pleasure. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Look, congratulations on being elevated to leader. Uh, well earned after a long innings. I think I remember you being elected when Julia Gillard was elected. Yeah, back in 2010. That's right. It was a pretty good time to be elected. Um, we managed to get some pretty good things done, like getting a carbon price and money for clean energy and dental into Medicare for kids. Feels like a while a while ago, but um, the uh, uh, it's certainly um, I think it's uh, the things that we got then are probably more relevant than ever. Absolutely, and you know you've got runs on the board for negotiating uh, you know actual outcomes. Today uh, looks like a a good time to be negotiating outcomes. I mean. For decades now, the Greens have effectively acted as the opposition in the Australian Parliament, and you've again shown leadership on the way forward out of the COVID-19 crisis with the Green New Deal proposal. So can you tell me how people in regional Australia, like most of our listeners, are going to benefit from the Green New Deal? I mean, what's in it for the farmers and country townspeople who are listening to this show? Why should they vote for it? Yeah, good, good question. I mean, so I think we're facing a number of crises at the moment. We've got the climate crisis, which is threatening regional Australia, you know, as much if not more than anywhere else and is going to result in large parts of Australia basically turning to desert um, in, a, in a few short decades and it might be that uh, the kind of droughts that we've been seeing at the beginning of that process and so the climate crisis is threatening the ability for people to hand down their, um, their farms to people from the next generation. It's threatening... Um, people's ability to live in the places that they love and for its, uh, towns are starting to run out of water. Um, we're really seeing it start to have a huge impact and the, the government has been warned by the experts that if we don't get the climate crisis under control, 
by the end of the century, we could see, for example, in the Murray-Darling Basin, a 92% decline in agricultural productivity. Now, that's that's massive. That's basically yeah. wiping out Australia's ability to feed itself. That's our food bowl. Yeah, that's right. So you've got the climate crisis. We've also got a um, what I think is a jobs crisis in Australia, and it's particularly bad in a lot of regional areas. Before corona crisis even hit, coronavirus even hit, one in three young people either didn't have a job or didn't have enough hours of work. And yeah. um, that, I think, is a national shame. And, of course, if you don't have a job and you're living on Newstart, you're living below the poverty line and mm. it's very, very difficult to make ends meet. And in many places, the jobs just aren't there. And so it's putting people under enormous pressure. And I think we've got an inequality crisis as well where we've got the um, uh, inequality at 70-year highs in this country and we're becoming a bit more like the US. And then smashing into all of that, like, you know, big truck into the side of the car is the coronavirus crisis that has, mm. that has devastated large parts of the country. And mm. what we've got to do with the Green New Deal is work out how we can tackle, how we can get the economy back up on track again, but tackle all of those crises that we've got so that we can create a future um, for our kids and our grandkids. And yep. that is what the Green New Deal is about. It's about yep. saying government's got to get its hands on the rain get some investment to create new jobs and industries in a way that doesn't wreck the planet and that looks after people. Yeah, it's all very well for governments to keep out of uh, backing winners, but we don't want them backing losers, do we? I think people need to, like, they do do that, and they the government does back a lot of losers at the moment. And uh, in, for a lot of farmers at the moment, farmers or people on the land or uh, people working on the land will get um, a, a thing called the diesel fuel rebate, where if you put diesel into your um, trucks, then you get a tax rebate on that at the end of the year. Now, for farmers, that's justified. Um, but big miners, for example, also get that. So Gina mm. Reinhart gets that when she puts petrol into her trucks. Now, why do we, these multi-billion dollar companies, we're not talking about, you know, your average farmer or your average small business. We're talking about these huge companies, mm. multinational billion dollar companies in many instances. Why should they be getting a handout from the public purse when they can afford to stand on their own two feet? And mm. it, that, so the government does back losers in a way that, you know, they're putting, pouring money into coal and ultimately that hurts farmers, that hurts Australia. Yeah, pouring money down the coal black hole doesn't do farmers any good. But, you know, I, I really want to get it down to more specific because you said we've got to work out what to do. But I think that the from what I understand, the Green New Deal uh, is fairly well worked out. You've got a fair few sort of fairly solid programs. I mean, you know, farming has always been fairly heavily subsidised in this country in many respects. There's important ways in which government has supported farming. How's the Green New Deal going to do that better? Well, we want to see a big investment in helping um, farmers store. One of the best things that farmers can do is store carbon on their land in the form of trees and um, some help with some improved land management practices. And before the carbon price was revealed, uh, repealed rather by Tony Abbott, um, we created an income stream for farmers so that mm. farmers across the country could have earned billions of dollars from the big polluters by saying, look, actually, um, we'll uh, rehabilitate and revegetate some of our land. And by doing that, um, we were able to earn some credits and that, that means earning money. Um, mm. Also, I've been to Germany a couple of times and you walk across uh, 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 some of the... Um, uh, the farms there and they've got sheep grazing under solar panels and they've got wind turbines on the farm. And the reason that they've done that is that the, in Germany, the government has said, let's find out a way of giving 
um, farmers and people on the land, people with large areas of land, um, subsidies to put in solar and wind on their land. And yeah. it still enables, it enables you to have an additional source of income. Mm. Um, and lastly, one of, we've been pushing for a, a, um, a $2 billion nature fund to revegetate and rehabilitate large parts of Australia that have been devastated um, by drought and other forms of disease. And we think that there's, especially as we're going to be going into an, a time of very high um, unemployment and people looking for work, we'd love to see the government put its money behind programs where people can earn a decent wage, um, mm. repairing and rehabilitating our land. And we think all of that um, adds up to a pretty good deal for people on the land. Yeah, I mean, we have a, a fantastic infrastructure in the land care movement around the country. People have gotten out there and largely voluntarily done a, a, a huge amount of work for, for regeneration. Um, you know, it, obviously it, it helps uh, drought proof, helps flood proof, helps fire proof the, the land to do all this kind of work. And it can employ people as we go. Well, that's right. And that's the way we need to start thinking about the future is, is by saying, um, look, if instead of having, if we've got a lot of high unemployment coming up and we've got people, especially as a result of the corona crisis, we're going to have people looking for decent work. Um, we've got, on the other hand, we've got to make sure that we look after the land so that it's there for future generations. Like, let's put two and two together and let's have government, instead of tipping billions of dollars into making the climate crisis worse, let's mm. use it to start um, recovering from the bushfires that have devastated large parts of our country. Let's use it to start recovering from the drought um, giving people the opportunity to contribute to these planet and country saving projects while at the same time um, tackling climate change. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that's actually leads me nicely into where I wanted to head next with this, which is, um, you know, the scummer regime and their, their response to the climate crisis and the Corona crisis. And I've got a couple of questions, but one, just because you've mentioned the bushfires, I think we should, uh, I should ask you, how do you see the, 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 the response to the, uh, the bushfires, you know, what, what, what the, the, the money that was supposed to be poured into that? Do, do, do you know what's happening with it? What's, what's actually going on there? Oh, I think uh, a, a lot of it's not getting through to the people who need it. And again, it's a case of um, the government being, having its ideological blinkers on and denying that there was any um, uh, looming extra threat from the bushfire crisis based on the climate fuel droughts that we had. I mean, everyone, yeah, the firefighters and former fire chiefs were trying to advise the government that it was going to be a very, very bad summer. Um, in fact, parts of the country started even burning in spring, let alone summer. We were only a couple of weeks out of winter when parts of Queensland started burning. Mm. And um, the government was thoroughly unprepared. They were unprepared with the response, um, uh, they were unprepared to, with the emergency response at the time, and they've been unprepared with the response since. And um, some of the moves from the government for making money available to business um, to recover, we applauded because um, we said, oh, good idea, um, make sure that that happens. But the reports that we're getting in a lot of places is that the money's not making its way down to where it's needed. But mm. um, I've visited a couple of the fire-affected areas in the aftermath and um, I was just talking to people who were shaking their heads who said, look, we've lived here such a long time, we've never seen it like this before. And um, really, like, we know that it's climate change and we know that this is um, not only unprecedented, but it looks like it might come around again and again and again unless mm. we um, tackle things. So the message that I got when I was touring a lot of those fire-affected areas was, one, some help with the immediate reconstruction is necessary, but two, please do everything you can to make sure it doesn't happen again, which means cutting pollution. 
Yeah, it's it's like without facing the reality of what's going on, you can't have an effective response, can you? Um, I mean, which you know, the, the scum regime have been mired in this morass of corruption and incompetence from the get-go. I mean, the only bright spot for them seems to have been their recent willingness to follow expert scientific advice. I mean, do you think they're likely to learn from this success and start following the science and the bigger crisis of climate and biodiversity, or is the National COVID nineteen Coordination Commission just another star chamber of fossil fools? Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I hope it's the former and I'm worried it's the latter because what the government has already said that, oh, look, the answer out of this crisis is more of the same, um, which is you know, apparently to cut company taxes for the big corporations, give them more tax breaks um, and uh, then invest in more gas. That seems to be the latest that they're pushing, which in many instances involves fracking underneath um, good, you know, arable land and uh, mm. going down and, and um, mucking around with the water table. And yeah. there's um, like why you would want to put at risk so much of Australia's farmland is beyond me for the sake of gas, which is only going to make the climate crisis worse. But that's what the COVID-19 commission is saying. Well, the way out of this is to um, turbocharge the climate crisis. So I'm really worried that that's mm. what... Um, what they're going to do uh, but i think as you said like there's another way out of this which is to say look if we you know, no one really likes the coronavirus restrictions and i think we'd all like our lives to um uh, be a bit freer than they are at the moment but um what we've done is is actually done what a lot of a lot of other countries haven't and i wouldn't want to be in a us or italy at the moment for quits um, uh-huh. you look at how they've responded by ignoring the science and they've got people dying in huge numbers and hospitals having to make um you know d- d- these terrible decisions about who gets ventilators and who doesn't now who um, what we found who lives and who dies that's right and what we found is that when you put human life first and you listen to the science you can actually get on top of these things, right? Mm-hmm. You can actually get on top of these things. And that's got to be the message for the climate crisis as well. We've got to flatten the corona curve and flatten the emission curve too. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, it is alarming. I, I'm, I'm very alarmed. And I think it's a big story that's going under the radar, the whole uh, NCCC, uh, you know, with, the, with Neville Power, you know, who's, who's actively involved in a blue sky mining a gas company now saying that he's going to his, his response is to set up a, uh, a you know fertilizer a plant uh, you know which is a blue sky operation based on Santos's Pilliga operations which are all at this moment a complete fantasy uh, you know a failing company in a failing uh, industry that's that's hardly going to be a sustainable way forward for us to to recover our economy is it well, that's, I think the government talks about snapping back to normal as quickly as possible. I think we've got to build a better normal. Mm. Um, I think we have to um, find a way of finding a new equilibrium where we look after everyone and we find ways of making money from Australia that don't involve wrecking the planet. Now, can I say, just as an aside, it's not that doesn't mean you have to be anti-mining. I think there's a lot of things that we're going to need to um, uh, in Australia if we if we're going to have a renewable powered zero emission society, we're going to need batteries and that means lithium and that lives under the ground. And um, the uh, Australia has got some of the biggest stocks of lithium in the world. So we've got mining opportunities, but therefore developing renewables products. And so this idea that instead we should be, um, gov- big corporations should be coming back to governments and say with their um, 
caps out saying, look, we'd like a bit of money to, uh, under the cover of getting out of the corona crisis, to now start doing more of the same and opening up our gas fields and potentially opening up our coal fields as well. Mm. I think that's a real worry. And I think when people learn that that's what's going on behind the scenes and then the government's again coming out saying, uh, uh, look, this has got to be our ticket to recovery, cut workers' rights, cut environmental protections, and mm. give more money to the corporations. I think there's going to be a lot of um, uh, a, a lot of people are going to say, "Hang on, that's not what we signed up for." No, it's not, is it? And and it, it's not just not what we signed up for. When you say the big corporations, I, I have a slight reaction to that, which is the the big corporations, the big credible organisations around the world are all w- walking and or running away from uh, fossils. And uh, you know that they. I, I, I wanted to ask you, as the leader of the Greens, do you end up getting into conversation? with you know people like BHP and the, and the, the the business council of australia and others who've who've come out recently saying you know like we have to actually achieve our paris agreement uh, targets and and better them did is that is that something that you as a leader of, a, of you know the opposition essentially uh, get to you know have that conversation with those big players yes and the um uh, you're right. I mean, just today, the the Australian Industry Group, which represents a lot of the manufacturers, have said, look, the way out of the coronavirus crisis has got to be to tackle the climate crisis as well. And um, there's, and we're singing from the same song sheet on that one. And you're right that um, there's some of the some of the other bigger corporations are saying, look, hang on, actually, we can't keep going the way that we have. Um, and they're trying to tug in a different direction and we support them in that and we talk with them and we um, are trying to advocate for policies that will mean that in Australia you can still do business and do business well. It's just premised on not wrecking the planet and paying your workers properly. Like that's basic, that should be the bottom line basically. Um, mm. But yeah, there's, uh, the, the problem is that in this country that a lot of the, um, there's a handful of um, fossil fuel companies that um, make a lot of money. They make a lot of money out of the destruction of our way of life, but they give the government and the Labor Party a lot of donations and those donations talk um, and they manage to get uh, the government and the opposition to do what they want based on those donations. And I think um, that's where the problem is. And so I think one thing we've got to do as part of the Green New Deal is get the big money out of politics so that decisions start getting made that are in the community and the public interest rather than invested interests. Yeah, yeah. Look, I know you're really busy, Adam. I want to ask you one last question before I let you go, which is UBI, Universal Basic Income. I've been banging on about it on the show for a while. It seems like around the world it's gaining momentum uh, along with the Green New Deal. What's the Greens' position on that? Yeah, we're having a discussion about that and we're having a discussion about um, uh, there's a lot of people in our party who are supportive of the idea of a UBI and there are others who are supportive of um, another push that's gaining momentum around the world, which is a jobs guarantee as well to say, look, no one should go without and you should be able to um, get uh, a government should be there to, to provide you with a decent job on some of these planet-saving projects if you want it. Mm. And I think um, uh, but underlying both of them and both of those ideas is this idea that part of government's role should be to care for people and look after people and make sure no one falls through the crack, which is mm. the cracks, which is why people are saying a UBI or a jobs guarantee would do that. Mm. Um, I'm interested in uh, looking at those ideas and potentially picking the best bits out of both of them yeah. and saying, look, 
as we head into these crises, let's um, find a way of making sure that everyone gets looked after, everyone gets a guaranteed income, everyone who wants um, a decent job is able to get one and that we look after everyone in this wealthy country of ours while we tackle all these crises. Absolutely. Yeah, well, it seems like the time must be now. I mean, like having just had millions of people unemployed, uh, given the, you know, the, the supplement that they've been given, uh, I can't see how the scummo regime, even them, could come at, come at uh, you know, going, oh, we've killed your job and now we're going to pull half your income. Uh, vote for us. You know, it doesn't sound like a really good winning formula to me. Yeah, well, they'll keep, they, they, they've tried it before and they've said the answer is just if we cut, cut, cut everything, then apparently everything will grow. But I think people have realised that after 30, 40 years, that this idea of trickle-down economics doesn't quite work as they promised it on the tin. And um, the, I think people are looking for something different and that's what we're offering, a government-led plan of investment and action to create those new jobs and industries, but also making sure that no one gets left behind. Adam, I think that's a great note to leave it on. Thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate all your good work. Have a great day. Pleasure. Thanks for having me on.
looking for the courage to face the hard facts about our environmental crises? Do you want honest reporting on the global solutions that are at our fingertips? Would you like to know what simple, effective local actions you can take to make a positive difference to the state of the world today? Tune in to Environmental As Anything on 92.9 River FM every Saturday from 2 to 5 for all the news, interviews and analysis you need to make the future you want. For the future we're hand in hand.